Welcome to Scooby Shack Radio, Episode 80, recorded Monday, March 14th, 2022. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hello again, everyone, and I want to thank you once more for tuning in to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. Well, I trust that you were able to spring ahead yesterday as we began Daylight Savings Time. I always find it a bit of a challenge to adjust to the time shift. Just when you start to get used to the sunrise and sunset, it all changes. I wonder if we're just going to ever pick one and stay with it throughout the year. I guess that would require some adjustment as well. Yesterday, we were supposed to spring ahead with our first dive to Jamestown, Rhode Island. Mother Nature decided it wasn't really time for us to start. What the weathermen were calling a bomb cyclone hit the northeast late Saturday, and then a major cold front followed on its heels, with freezing temperatures and winds estimated at 50 miles per hour. So we decided best not to risk being out there diving. We are bold, but not that bold. Earlier this month, we got a visit at the dive shop from Alan, the owner of Dive Provo in Turks and Caicos, and Susan, the owner of Canes Bay Dive Shop in St. Croix. They were on their way up to Boston for a travel and adventure show and decided to stop in and say hello. We really enjoyed their visit, and that got us thinking about another trip. Can't wait to travel again. Today, I'm going to do another segment of Your Next Dive. And this time, I want to take you on a fantastic dive that Donna, Matt, and I did years ago while we were in Aruba, and that was the Antilla Wreck. So stay tuned for that. But first up is Wet Notes, our news and information update here on Scuba Shack Radio. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, March 14th, 2022. Let's kick things off with what many of us consider to be some bad news out of Florida. Earlier this month, as expected, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission approved the Goliath Grouper Harvest for the spring of 2023. The harvest runs from March 1st, 2023 to May 31st, 2023. This highly regulated harvest will issue 200 permits and will allow for one fish per person to be caught. There is also a maximum of 50 to be taken out of Everglades National Park. They indicated that post-harvest data will be used to make future decisions on any expansion beyond 2023. There are a lot of mixed feelings on whether this is a good decision or not. I did see one headline that said, FWC allows killing of Goliath grouper for the first time in 30 years. Some are still calling for activists to try and get the permits, then not use them. A bit of good news is that the fishing for Goliath grouper in federal waters is still prohibited. 
Now, I've discussed stony coral tissue loss disease, or SCTLD, here on the podcast several times. I also did a quick update on the situation in the Cayman Islands. Now there is some more news coming out of the Caymans. Recently, two of the members of the SCTLD response team in the Caymans, Sabrina Weber and Tammy Warrender, did an interview on Radio Caymans for the record, where they gave us an update. They indicated that the 18-month battle by the Department of Environment is making some headway, but it's slow. The only way right now to battle the spread is to do direct application of an antibiotic ointment on the healthy coral. You can imagine the amount of effort it takes to apply the sticky ointment on a daily basis. But it does protect the coral. Through their efforts, the Cayman SCTLD response team has treated more corals than anywhere else in the Caribbean. This approach can't bring back lost coral, but it can protect what's there until other solutions come along and hopefully wipe out the disease. Back in December, I told you about how Dive Raid International started providing access to all of their electronic learning for free. Haven't heard too much about that since then, but they continue to introduce new programs. The latest announcement is that they are offering a new indoor diver program. They are positioning this course as a beginner course for divers that prefer to dive in aquariums, or other indoor facilities. This is being positioned as a standalone certification with the same academics, quizzes, and final exam that they use in their full open water diver course. It looks like the course consists of eight indoor pool dives. I also read that there might be some open water dives, but that really doesn't make sense. I think you will just need to do those eight indoor dives in the pool. Dives one and four have no time limit, while dives five and eight, five to eight are 30-minute dives. The indoor diver certification will allow you to dive up to 60 feet in an indoor environment. You can then also upgrade to a full open water diver as well. Interesting evolution. I wonder who else will follow their lead. The Philippines are open. We're still planning on going back there, but it won't be until October 2023. It's such a great place to dive. Now, for those who like liveaboards, I saw where Aggressor Adventures has announced their newest liveaboard, the Philippine Aggressor. It is planned to launch on April 9, 2022. This yacht will have two different excursions. One of the routes is to Tubataha Atoll. I know that this is a place that are, that's on a lot of divers' bucket lists. The other route is the Visaya Cebu area. The Philippine Aggressor is a 135-foot yacht that boasts 12 staterooms and can accommodate up to 24 guests. Each stateroom has its own private bath and shower. If you choose the Tubataha trip, you will leave from Puerto Princa on Palawan. The Visaya-Cebu trip departs from either Macton on Cebu or Dumaguete. Looks like the prices range from about $3,600 to $6,000. I'm really looking forward to getting back to the Philippines for some world-class diving. This week, we received an email from Charlie Bush, the president of Sherwood Scuba. Charlie had some tough news to pass along. It seems that the prices of raw aluminum continues to rocket upward. Just in the last month, the price has gone up 25%. I'm not sure if there's an end in sight just yet. That's almost a 50% increase in the last year. 
To give you a perspective, last year this time, raw aluminum was selling for $2,199 per metric ton. Right now, the latest information I saw was that it was at $3,245 per metric ton. So when you couple this enormous increase along with the other inflationary factors like labor, logistics, and freight, we just don't know what it's going to cost in the future for a standard aluminum 80 scuba cylinder. I'll keep you advised as we learn more, but for now, I wouldn't leave my aluminum cylinders laying around because they could grow legs, if you know what I mean. And finally, we got a message a couple of days ago from Diving Unlimited International, better known as DUI, about a drawing they are conducting. When it comes to dry suits, DUI is a world leader. Well, their drawing is open to all active professional first responders to enter to win a premium dry suit. This suit is a TLS 350 Classic. The drawing will be held in May 2022. If you read the fine print, you must be a professional first responder and show your credentials if you win. Volunteers are not eligible. Also, the winner can add on additional options at a discounted price. I went to their website and didn't see a link to enter there, so we put a link out on the Scuba Shack Facebook page so you can get to the entry form from there if you need to. The message we got also said that it will take about six weeks to deliver on the dry suit. Now, this is a great opportunity if you're a a professional first responder and you need a dry suit. Well, that wraps up this latest edition of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio from Monday, March 14th, 2022. It's time for another installment of Your Next Dive here on Scuba Shack Radio. And today, I'm going to take you on another one of my more memorable dives, and that was the Antilla Wreck in Aruba. Now, this memorable dive was actually my second dive on the Antilla, and it was in October of 2009. The first time was in 2007. Back then, we owned a timeshare in Aruba. We would stay there every other year and trade the timeshare for other locations in the intervening years. We were just trying to get to as many dive locations as we could. But first, let's have a little history about the Antilla. The Antilla was a German freighter that was built in Hamburg, Germany, and launched on March 21, 1939. The Antilla was 400 feet in length, displaced about 4,300 tons, and had a crew of 35. She had two sister ships, the Arizaba and the Aruca. They also have some interesting history. The Arizaba ran aground off of Norway in February 1940, trying to avoid Allied naval forces, and the Aruka was captured by the U.S. and had a history as the SS Sting, then the USS Saturn during World War II, and then just the SS Saturn after the war. She was finally scrapped in 1972. As for the Antilla, in July of 1939, she picked up a load of sulfur in Galveston, Texas, and headed to Colombia. Then when the, Germany, uh, when the Germans invaded Poland in September 1939, all German ships in the Caribbean area were ordered to Curaçao. 
When the Antilla arrived at Curacao, it was so congested that they made their way to Aruba. They were still there in May of 1940 when Germany invaded the Netherlands. Now, a contingent of the Aruba forces were dispatched to seize the ship, but they waited a couple of hours until first light. By then, it was too late. Captain Schmidt ordered the ship scuttled. They also set fire to the engine room so the Arubian forces could not enter and close the seacocks. The Antilla sunk just off the beach on the west side of the island in about 60 feet of water. The second dive that I made on the Antilla was October 21, 2009. It was my 262nd dive. We were diving with Red Sail Sports. Our captain was Norman, and he was the dive master two years earlier. Our other dive masters that day were Sierra, who we knew from 2007, and Yvette. This would be a morning dive, and Norman wanted to get the Passabon underway so we could get to the wreck before the myriad of dive boats and snorkel boats clogged up the wreck. Our dive boat was completely full that day. I think we had at least 20 divers on board. Everyone wanted to dive the wreck. As we approached the wreck, something was different. Back in 2007, the top of the mast was sticking out of the water. This time, the mast was not to be seen. In October 2008, Hurricane Omar hit Aruba and shifted the wreck and caused more damage. Once again, the power of the ocean is astonishing. Don and Matthew and I picked our spot on the back of the boat, and our choice paid off. You see, we had developed a pretty good rapport with both Norman and Sierra, and they knew that we were fairly experienced divers. We had all of our gear set up, function checked, and all we needed to do was put our BCs on and splash. Now, right after the dive boat tied up to the wreck, Sierra came back to us and said we could start our dive before she did the dive brief. That way we would get started before all of the inexperienced divers were in the water. I was okay with skipping the dive brief because we had already been on the Antilla and knew exactly what to expect. We would have the whole wreck to ourselves as Norman had gotten us to the Antilla well ahead of the other dive boats. Now we were tied into the stern of the wreck and we dropped down so you could see the full magnitude of the Antilla. We started to dive by heading to the propeller. I'm not sure what it is, but I always feel it's a special need to see the propeller on a wreck. From the prop, we started to head forward. The wreck is on its port side, and we headed to the right, exploring the bottom of the aft section. The Antilla is split about midships, with a, big, a bit of a gap between the fore and aft section. As we headed down what would have been the starboard side, it looks like we were on a wall. It's massive. The bow section looks like a mountain as you look up from the sand. As we made our way around the bow, and began to head back, you could see the entire forecastle. We headed toward the break in the ship and explored some of the debris in the ship's interior. By this time, the other divers had entered the water and were beginning their dive, so we turned back to explore the forecastle. Being a shallow wreck, there's plenty of light for for some great visibility. After exploring the forecastle, we headed back and spent a little bit of time poking our heads in portholes and swimming along the mask that juts up from the forward section. Finally, we headed back to the stern to finish up our dive. 
As we came up on the top of the stern, we saw Yvette hovering in about 20 feet of water trying to count all of the divers. Given that there were now several dive boats on the wreck, along with all of our divers, she was frantically trying to corral all of those from our boat and get them safely back on board. It was a little comical, but I know that she was a little anxious about having to sort out her divers from the rest of the folks in the water. My maximum depth that day was 53 feet, and our dive lasted 46 minutes. The bottom temperature was a very comfortable 82 degrees Fahrenheit, and we had great visibility at over 80 feet. Now, I haven't been back to Aruba since 2009, and I wonder just how the Antilla might look today. If you ever get to Aruba, you simply have to get this wreck on your dive schedule. You will not be disappointed. Well, I hope you enjoyed this latest installment of Your Next Dive here on Scuba Shack Radio. The Antilla was really a lot of fun. Of the three ABC islands, Aruba, Bonaire, and Curaçao, Aruba doesn't get a lot of press when it comes to scuba diving. But I gotta tell you, I've had some terrific dives down there. Don't pass it off. Well, that wraps up episode 80 of Scuba Shack Radio. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with more. Until then, stay safe and take care, everyone. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time. <laughs>